We are live. This is the Leg Kick. We have special guests today, but first, not sponsored by Gator. Let me, uh, let me, we've got Mike, the African warlord of Sifo, a.k.a. Joseph Coney's clone, raised to the age of 23. We're going to send him back into the Ghanaian jungles to conquer Africa. We've got Jeremy, the, uh, the NCAA Division One soccer player. <laughs> he's a midfielder, he's a defenseman, he's everything. He plays the field, ladies and gentlemen. And then finally... Some guy who used to be on the Howard Stern show. Beetlejuice. Uh oh. So we have a, a special guest today. Am I breaking up? No. I wasn't sure if you were freezing or you just developed a stutter. Yeah, I was like, that's interesting. I thought it was on purpose too, actually. Yeah, I thought it was build up. Like, I, 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 I want the knife. Uh, uh, remix. Let me introduce to you our final, our special guest today. You may know him as an extra from American History Act. Emma <laughs> Mason before the UFC was a thing. A pens of anarchy. He's a pioneer of, uh, of mixed martial arts, been fighting since the 90s. Um, black belt under Silvio Baring, coach to some of the finest talents in the game, Bob Sapp, Ben Flattop, Fodor, Phoenix Jones, Demetrius Johnson. You might know him as Frank Culture, Johnny Caged. And uh, if you don't know, he was also uh, cross-dressing into the ring before... So yes, oh, that's a real story. We can get into it later. We can no, get no, into it later. I want to get Frank into it now. Oh, we, we, we can get into that right now. I, I want to get into that right first. now. Yeah, what, what was, was like a real was, pioneer? Yeah, he pulled the Dennis Rodman before Dennis Rodman. It was around the same time. Rodman was already doing it. Like they used to call Rodman like the uh, the Frank culture of of basketball. I remember that. Then, so. <laughs> yeah, that's <what> <laughs> <laughs> what it was. Was it wasn't into the ring. The most I ever wore into the ring that was like that was on a on a bet was one of those shirts with the uh, with the woman's body on it. That's it. Yes. But I guess it escalated. That's how it starts out. What it really was was I was gonna fight this guy uh, named Andy Social. That was his name. And I'm not really good like on the spot, so. I, I had to write everything I was going to say down. It wasn't about my fight with him. I was trying to get a rematch with somebody that I'd fought twice before. I beat him. He beat me. His name was Max Marin. He was fighting a guy named Jake Hatton. So it was at the Wait, press. Was that a press conference? It was oh, sorry. Press- I just wanted a clarification. Okay. Yes, it was at the press conference the day before. And uh, so Stefan always gets it mixed up that I came into the ring like that. But what I did was, because nobody would get the joke, right? We won this dress at a uh, at a strip club a couple weeks before. When Jesse wanted to meet uh, Ken Shamrock, the world's most dangerous man, that was his his wrestling name because he'd left MMA and he was doing wrestling at this time. He hadn't gotten back into MMA. So there was a contest to win tickets to WWE. And my friend Barry, Mac Daddy Flex, who, uh, you know, there'll be stories about him. He uh, teaches out in Oshawa and uh, a bunch of towns out there. There's a couple Muay Thai gyms that are all linked together. Uh, Rebel Alliance. Yes, yes. Yeah, exactly. So, oh, don't, don't. Uh, he won this dress. You're supposed to get up on stage and embarrass yourself, like, to get tickets. Like, there was four people that were going to win two tickets. So, anyway, he got up there naked. It's in a strip club, but you can't be male and naked in a strip club, so you can't embarrass Barry. So, he walks up on stage. The DJs are like, no, 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 you get your clothes on. We're going to lose our license. So, he had to do a bunch of ridiculous stuff, like lick a shoe, which I didn't think was that gross, at the moment, but now when you think about it, 
have you ever been in a public bathroom? A male yeah. public bathroom that the oh. floor got covered in piss? So, yeah. So, luckily, he didn't die. <laughs> you know, years <laughs> later, he didn't catch anything. But part of it was he had to wear this dress, and they all had to run out and go to a, to a different motel and or hotel in the area. This is by the airport. And grab a business card from the hotel and race back. And it's not just MMA. Whatever we're going to do, we're going to win. So, you know, like I said, it's not a team sport. Earlier, we were talking about MMA. I was saying MMA is not a team sport. It's a team effort. So when Barry went to run out to get his business card, I went with him. We They sent him to the farthest hotel because it was rigged. They're trying not to have him win. And then we got it, and I flagged a cab on the way back. So even though it wasn't that far, we lucked out. We got a cab back. He was the first one back. Now, the tickets were rigged because Barry should have won all four tickets, but they wanted one guy to win two and someone else to win two. That's just the way it was because Barry was the guy that was winning. What are you guys doing? I'm looking for the iPad. The iPad, here. <laughs> not only not only does he have dad jokes, he has dad responsibility. I know, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> But but okay. but go on. Okay. Uh, okay. So where was I in that story? See, I knew this was gonna happen. I that's you guys are going back in your dungeon, all right? <laughs> I love this. Hey, say hi to Zeus. Hey. hey. Beauty. That's adorable. I wanted to name him Jupiter because the Romans appropriated Greek culture and they renamed all their gods, but they stuck with Zeus. So, yeah, <laughs> Italians were, see what you did. Cut. See what your, your people did. Stephanos? Italians were hey, doing shit from way all in all my, the- all my, all my, all my people did bring beautiful food and culture to the world. So you're welcome. Oh wait, wait! All you mean did. the noodles you stole from China? Oh, Get out of here, wow. from China. <laughs> okay, hold on, hold on. Let's uh, let's let's get back to the story, okay, and we can okay. talk about how great Italian culture is. Thank you, <laughs> So, uh. Where was okay? So yeah, we fled the cab back. You know, he did. He had to kiss a guy in the mouth, which this wasn't Barry. This was the other guy. It's just a kiss. It's like the guy didn't have to put his tongue in Barry's mouth. And that's what Barry said to the guy, like, dude, dude, it doesn't have to go that far. But anyway, he didn't say that till after because he didn't want to lose. So anyway, they won the tickets. Barry and Jesse went because Jesse Richardson. That's how I know this guy from, uh, from Matador. He was the guy that wanted to go meet Ken Shamrock because back when I, before I moved to train with Matt Hume, my big dream was to go to AMC and train with Matt Hume. Uh, Jesse was living in Edmonton at the time, and his dream at the time, because he had Shamrock's book on the lines then, was to go down and train with Ken Shamrock. He didn't know that they were all falling apart at that time, that they weren't really what they were kind of in the early 90s. So I convinced him, hey, come on out to Toronto for a couple years. And then we got him hooked up. He was Marcus Suarez before. So then he came and he trained with us. So and now he's you know he's, he's full Silvio bearing. But anyway, where was I in the story? This is what I knew. So about. they they, they he made the he made them. Trouble right now. Yeah, you're gonna have to disconnect and call back because your connection is not doing too well right now. Can you guys hear me? Can you guys hear me? Now testing, we can. Testing. Now we can. One, two, three. One, two, three. Te- okay, good. I can hear you too. Okay, continue. So you were just at the part where they forced two guys to kiss, and somehow this is leading into your knockout of Andy Soto. Well, that's where the dress came from, because the dresses were 150 bucks each. So they went to the the strip club had a little store next door where they would sell stuff for the strippers, and it was kind of like a wedding dress. It's this stretchy thing. So anyway, I took the dress with me to Toronto because I was fighting in a week. So that night we went out to meet Ken Shamrock and everything. Oh, we waited till all the WWE fans left. So what happened was 
all the WWE fans were there, like, with their fake championship belts to get Ken to sign it and all this. So we waited until they left. Then we went up to meet Ken. And then, you know, because we were fighters, we weren't wrestlers, we ended up hanging out with him and the owners of the club for the rest of the night. So my fight was a week later. So I wasn't drinking or anything because I was serious about my fight because my fight before that was a loss to Max Marin because I, I, uh, I was asked who I could fight, like, the promoter asked me to fight this guy who I wanted to fight. I didn't want to, I wanted to fight Max cause I beat him easily two years before. And I just got, can't got back to fighting after an injury. So I'm like, well, I'll, I'll fight Max. So Max ended up beating me. So I was training super hard. I was super serious. So, but I wanted to get that rematch with Max. So now fast forward a week later to Edmonton, I'm in pretty good shape. And then, uh, so you look jacked in that dress. Like when I pulled it on, cause it was so stretchy, I put a toque on, yeah. If this is the States, I'd have to say beanie because they don't know what toques are down there. And I had some sunglasses on. And I also had a bunch of stuff I wanted to say. Even though I was fighting Andy Social, I wanted to talk crap to Max. And he was fighting Jake Hatton. So I wanted to interrupt their thing. So I worked it out with Jake Hatton and his manager that I won't come up and interrupt until you say what you're going to say. As soon as Max starts talking, I'm going to come up. So he's like, okay, okay. So then Jake says what he's going to say. I come up, and since nobody's going to get the joke that I'm this guy's anti-social, I had a big sign that said anti like your uncle and auntie and social. So I come out, and I'm like, his oh, opponent's oh. anti-social, get it? Yeah, so my, my opponent's anti-social, well, I'm anti-social, and then I put the sign down, and then I got everything I wanted to say, you know, like a flow chart like people do on sales calls. <laughs> so he says this, and I'm like, yeah, but better, 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 better. and I wrapped it off, and then I looked like I was really quick and, and fast with the comebacks. So I'm not. I gotta usually write stuff out. and It's like, like the room we're in right now is filled. It's like, uh, I don't know if you've seen Seven, the crazy guy with all the journals. These are all my screenplays. Yes. They're alphabetized and stuff, so... Wait, yeah. are those actually screenplays? There's stuff that I've written and typed, and uh, oh yeah. man, I've been working on my trilogy for about uh, for a while now. My dollars trilogy. So nice. I don't know anything about fistful of dollars, but again, with the Italians ripping off other cultures, ja, Yojimbo is the greatest samurai movie of all time. It's uh, uh, it means bodyguard. So anyway, uh, which is funny with your bodyguard thing that you're always talking about. He says oh, there's a movie called Body, Bodyguard 2. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dress. So that uh, little story that Frank didn't tell you about that. So that dress that he wore uh, into the ring and at the press conference, that was the same dress that um, John Candy wore in the Punisher. Crazy. But Frank, tell them tell them what ended up happening with that animal fight. Uh, or else it'll be anti- Oh, you're cutting out again. Yeah, you're uh, Oh, tell them about tell, tell tell them about how uh, how you won the anti-social fight, or else it's anticlimactic. Oh, okay. Uh, basically, so if I was I was supposed to fight Andy, and then if I won him, I was gonna fight the winner of uh, Jake Hatton versus Max Baron. So I don't know. It's not. I just I took him down and knocked him out in about a minute or so. Hey, yeah, it's it's, hey. it's brutal. It's brutal. You guys have to see it. It's online, right? Right. And then I was gonna. So then Jake Hatton and he fought Max Marin. Max Marin went for an armbar around the same time, and then Jake picked him up, slammed him on his head, knocked him out. So instead of getting to fight Max, I got to fight Jake on the next one. And then, so my fight with Jake, it uh, it went three five-minute rounds. Uh, I did everything I said I was going to do in the fight, which I was going to drag it out to the because I know he can knock people out quick, but he didn't think he could survive the distance. And Boss Rune was in his corner. So after the first round, he tried to quit. He was blaming it on the elevation, like, oh, the elevation is killing me. 
in Calgary, and I was thinking, well, no, you're from Colorado, though, so I don't know why it's the elevation. And then he said it was his asthma. <laughs> Boss Bruton was cornering Shannon Rich earlier, and Shannon Rich got tapped out by Jason McDonald by a move that we learn as a white belt to defend against, which is from inside the guard, a forearm across the neck. That's what uh, uh, Jason Fire, the athlete, I'm not sure what his nickname is anymore. He tapped him out with that from inside the guard. So, wait, wait, Boss wasn't going to let the other guy. out with a forearm from guard? What, inside the guard. And it's, it's funny because the two things we learn to defend against first are an Americana. Did someone goes for you inside your guard? Mm-hmm. We take their back and choke him out. Jason fought a guy six weeks before that named Chris Peak inside his guard. He reached up, Americana'd him. So he did like two things you're not supposed to do to win two fights in a row. That's how good he was on the ground. He was that much ahead of their levels, right? Wow. Because even Jason McDonald, when we were all like coming up in this game, he'd already moved to Hawaii and trained with uh, Frank Shamrock like years before. Like he uh-huh. fought a bunch of cards, kind of thing. So he already kind of had a name when I when I met him. He wasn't in the UFC yet. You know, we we're all the MFC was kind of became a feeding show after I left the sport for the UFC. Like guys like uh, oh, what's his name he got kicked by Showtime. Ben uh, Henderson. Ben Henderson. That's his last name. He. Uh, oh, Henderson. What's that? Benson Henderson. Benson. Yes. Yeah. yeah he. Uh, he had a lot of fights in the MFC, and you know, his, the, a lot of the complaints people had of him was he was taking people down, holding them for the distance or whatever. But I mean, that's where you get, you know, you get your get your style. You know what I mean? Like, sure, that's what he did on some of them. But like, he's racking up wins. He's flying up there. And, you know, you, you build yourself in these smaller shows. And it was a big show for us because it was one of the biggest shows in Canada. It was competition with the UCC, or which became TKO, which is all my training partners trained at. Because I was from Alberta and I had my first couple fights there, I like I had a following. So I would train with all these guys that would fight in Montreal. But then I would go out and fight out west and then be headlining the shows there. Here, I really – I always had an issue with uh, Stefan Padre, the guy that runs the TKO. And the problem was, and we'd argue online about this, is I would say, you know, you're not giving Ontario fighters a chance. Like, you're building your guys. You're building St. Pierre. You got, you're building all these guys from Montreal. And he'd always argue. He'd say, no, no, no. I had 10 Quebec fighters, and I had 20 Ontario fighters on my card. And I was like, yeah, but you have a different 20 every time. You have the same 10 uh, Montreal fighters, and they're getting that experience. And then you're getting a different 20 Ontario fighters all the time. So, like, guys that I knew were getting, like, one, two fights a year, UCC, while George St. Pierre is getting, like, ten. And it up to your level. That's a big part of the game is competition. That whole saying, steel sharpens steel, it's so true, and competition is the trick. Like, when I when I've trained my guys, like, within in about three months, I stick them in their first jiu-jitsu tournament. And then I don't let them fight MMA for about a year. Most of my guys get about ten fights or so. My best fighter that I train personally, not with anybody else's help, was Ozzy Diaz. He had 12 jiu-jitsu competitions, but there was it was 12 golds. So, like, he he was ready for MMA when he got into MMA. So I sent him the last fight that I could, one of the last fights to you that uh, the other day. They'll, they'll knock out. Oh, yeah. That was the, uh, the step-back counter, right? Yes, and this is where I always have an argument with one friend of mine in Seattle all the time, and a lot of guys say when Connor knocked out, uh, I'm bad with names today, Jose, with that, that 
cross. Oh, with that step back cross. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like he had people spying in Brazil, and and he knows how Jose fight. Jose fights, right? He's just linear, in and out, in and out, jab, cross, kick. Like that's that's what he does. So you got longer reach. You're gonna time that counter. It's no luck. And then I, I, as an example, I try and show him it's no luck because I, I send him clips of Ozzy. Ozzy did that. The guy was coming in with a big right hook, and then Ozzy stepped back through a right counter, knocked him out. Another one of my fighters, his name's Danny Garcia. His first fight, same thing. It wasn't a knockout. It was a TKO. The guy swung a straight right. He went to the outside, hit him with the right. They dropped him. The ref stopped it. <coughs> Essentially a knockout, a TKO. The only difference is the ref stopped it. But it's it's taught, you know. Once if someone comes at you 100, percent you know they've given away all their other all all, all the other options, you know. Jose option is I'm gonna go cross hook and I'm gonna leg kick you or I'm gonna head kick you. So if you know that's coming, then that's it's an easy counter. Not easy, you know. It's not an easy counter that'll knock them out, but an easy counter that's gonna connect. And they both kind of connected, but one was more solid than the other. So. Wow. From, from that must be the longest quick, intro quick. we've ever done. Oh, that was the intro, huh? <laughs> 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 you went from, you went from wearing a dress as antisocial to, hey, the cross counter, the cross step back cross counter works in MMA. It's wonderful. When you're just so filled with MMA knowledge, I mean, it can be hard to kind of like bottle, bottle it. You know? I love, okay. I love. This it. is me and Stefano every night after class, which is why, like, if he's there, my girlfriend knows I'm not coming home till like 11:30 or so. Oh, you know, because yeah. we get outside, yeah, yeah, you know, I oh. get home and she'd be like, "Yeah, Stefano was there, wasn't he?" Ah, okay. <laughs> to be asleep because anyway, like, see what up with the boys. Speaking, speaking, speaking of which, hey, uh, Frank brought up uh, Ozzy, Ozzy Diaz as fighter. Um, you told me a pretty funny story. If you don't want to, if you don't want to share it, you don't have to. But about Ozzy Diaz and uh, Dominic Reyes. Which please part? Tell the story. Please, please, Just please to start. Well, all it was, okay, so when Dominic Reyes was coming up, it was around the same time as Ozzy. So they got about the like. Dominic has way more wrestling experience. So the night that. Uh, that Ozzy knocked out. <laughs> Ozzy was going for a title against a guy named Gerald Cephas, who got his black belt because he uh, he beat a guy. Oh, he's a power lifter turned fighter, Jens Grouse, that uh, trained with. Uh, uh, is it, I don't know if it's Boss Rutten again. I'm getting so many names in my head. Yeah, Boss Rutten. Because uh, so Ozzy actually lost to uh, which story? The, the story about Jens Grouse or how he got his title or all the way at Dominic Reyes or. It's kind of all. I mean, hey, go crazy, man. <laughs> okay, so when he fought Jens Grouse, Ozzy only had two fights, and Jens Grouse had way more experience. And this was my fault because uh, I know that you can be a talented fighter, but experience is going to trump that. Again, I go back to experience. That's why I throw my guys into tournaments right away. Like, if I have a fighter who's not fighting, he's doing jiu-jitsu tournaments. If he's not doing jiu-jitsu tournaments, I'm not going to let him fight because that's, that's always been my belief. But and it's and it's worked. Um, so Jens Grouse had lost his title to this guy Gerald Cephas, and when Gerald Cephas took his title, he got his black belt that night. So uh, so Gerald Cephas got his black belt and the title. Now Jens Grouse is going to fight someone. Ozzy's guy pulls out for his second or his third fight, so they give him Jens Grouse. And so I'm like, well, I'm not going to let this happen. So I, I, I'm talking to Ozzy, and the promoter calls me up on the phone on the way there, and I saw. Uh, 
I say, okay, well, I got to talk to my assistant coach. I have to talk to Chenzo, you know, and then Ozzy says, oh, I already talked to Chenzo. Chenzo said it's good. So I said, oh, okay. Well, Chenzo said, yeah, okay, we'll take the fight. And then I go to Ozzy, hey, when did uh, when did Chenzo say yes to this fight? He goes, wait, 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 hold on, quick interjection. Is that is that Chenzo Gracie? Chenzo Gracie? No. Yeah. <laughs> okay, go on. Uh, sorry, sorry, I couldn't waste that opportunity. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so he's like, you know, when you want to get the car, you're like, Mom, can I have the keys to the car? Dad said yes. And she's like, okay. And then you go to Dad, hey, Mom said I can have the keys to the car. Oh, okay. And then you get the car. That old trick. Mm-hmm. So that's what he did for the fight because I go, oh, well, what, when did Chenzo say yes? He goes, well, he's going to say yes now that you said yes. So he really wanted that fight. So Ozzy really wanted this fight. This is when he was still a white belt in jiu-jitsu. And uh, he lost that fight. He won the first round. And I always see the mistakes I make. And my mistake in this one was he he controlled the stand-up in the first round. He did take one punch from him. He said it's the hardest he's ever been hit because Jens Grell is his power lifter. Like, he's just jacked. But uh, the second round, it's like within – you decisively won that first round with the kickboxing, take him down and, you know, sit on him for a while. And I, instead, I didn't tell him to take him down. He went out and he struck him again. And of course, if you got boss Rutten in your corner, boss Rutten is going to tell you, okay, throw a straight right to the body, left uppercut to the head, or you've been throwing overhand rights the whole time, throw a straight right. Cause that's what the guy was throwing. And so he got him with a, with a straight, right. <laughs> you know, he had him leading the other way. So that was my fault. So we lost that title. And then, uh, so on to the Jens Grau, where he got the fight that I sent you recently. He's fighting, uh, when he's fighting Gerald Cephas, who got his black belt by beating Jens. This is for the title. Like, he worked his way up to the title. So he was just ahead of Dominic Reyes, because Dominic Reyes, they came along at the same time. So Dominic Reyes wasn't in line for the title. This is at the University of MMA. It's a pretty good organization, uh, amateur fights in California. And I like the way Camo set up. I like the way the amateur fights help build fighters down there so it's it's a pretty good system you know every system has its issues but they build you like at first you have to wear shin pads after three fights you don't so it's just there's really protects you at they, the they, they baby step you in they baby step you in but they baby but you can move quick like they're two minute rounds but after your third fight you can have three minute rounds because mm. for the fight that he got he beat one of jason mayhem miller's proteges to get to right to fight uh, Gerald Cephas. Hold on, let and me look that, that up. Uh, okay. Beat Samuel Ray Barrera. That's his name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, you know, he made him look bad. Like he choked him out. Most of his fights are rear naked choke finishes. Uh, but he just, he disowned him the whole fight. You can see how how stressed Mayhem Miller was. Like this little gym in LA that no one ever heard of. You know, and this guy's doing great. NZT, so that right? fight was what's that? NZT. Yeah, and that, that was, fight was supposed to be two minutes, but a week before, they're like, do you want it to be three minutes? And like, we trained for two-minute fights. And Ozzy's like, no, no, three's good. So he, you know, he always you know, Ozzy's asked. Ozzy's a wild guy, man. Like, he know, is, he is. That's what I'm saying. Like, he tricked me into So he got knocked out, and he quit for like a good three to six months after he lost to Jens Grouse. And then he came back, worked his way up, beat a bunch of guys, you know, won a blue belt tournament, a white belt, like submission only, like just worked his way. Like he just came back super hungrier than he was. And that's what a knockout will do, right? It'll either finish you or make you super hungry. And he was already the hungriest guy. Like when I left tap out and I uh, gave everyone that followed me from tap out a special deal for joining, it's like, okay, you guys, because you follow me, you get 80 bucks a month. Everybody knew guys get a hundred and right, even right back then. He's like, no, no coach. I want to pay a hundred. I want to pay the full price. Like champions don't want to take shortcuts. Champions will work two jobs or like George St. Pierre, three jobs and or as a garbage man, like those guys, they don't shortcut it. They, they want to 
they put in the steps. It's in their character. That's why they become champions, right? So, so then, uh, where was I? Kind of lost. <laughs> okay, so, so he, he was just getting this facing Gerald Seafield. Is this still the intro? Again. <laughs> <laughs> And my name is Frank Coulter. Hello, everybody. So let's begin the podcast. <laughs> no, no, we're way past that. <laughs> Hi, everybody. My name is Frank Coulter, and you're, you're listening to Culture Shock. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one. That's, that's so, good. It's a book. So Joe Cephas and Ozzy Diaz are fighting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so as I go to fight, you know, uh, Gerald Cephas, we, it's weird because we'd only ever seen him knock people out with left hooks. We didn't even expect a right hook. So it's funny watching people warm up in the change room because everybody on the pads are like world champions in the back of a of a of a, of, of any fights you go to. This guy, people are lighting up the pads, and they go out and they usually get smoked, or they don't look half as good as they looked on the pads. And so everybody else is slick and doing their movements, and we're kind of doing our movements where I'm coming at him with a left, and he hits me with an uppercut. I didn't even throw a right hook, like I just because Gerald Cephas. You know, it didn't look like it was in his repertoire, but I'm just, you know, getting him to slip out of the way, working his combos, doing a pretty basic warm up. So when uh, when the fight, the bell rang, you know, I'm calling jab, jab, jab. I'm actually calling numbers like ones and twos are jabs and crosses. But I'm saying one, one, one. And then Gerald Cephas charges in with this big right hook. And then as he sidesteps and throws a, a right cross, so I'm like, OK, or two, because he knocked him out. So we went in and uh, we decided, well. I grabbed the mic and I said, you know, it wasn't a submission win, but he deserves his blue belt for tonight. So, so we gave him his blue belt and I think we threw him because we throw you and we whip you when you get your belt. Like, you don't have to be whipped because it's 2020 now. So the gauntlet is, is bad for something. I don't know. Like, I, you know what the gauntlet is? Yeah, we're like to? run through the line and so yeah, basically yeah. for everyone. It's something I look forward to. Like, I couldn't wait for it to happen when I was a white belt. Couldn't yeah. wait when I was a blue belt, right? So got whipped. And when I was a black belt, I waited until I was a black belt to take the, the gi top off. But I wanted to get whipped. It was going to be the last time because it's a sport that we do. It's almost like hazing, right, for the military. You know, they're taking hazing. They took hazing out of the military because these people are changing themselves into someone who has to go off and kill someone else. So you have to get into a mentality, right? But, you know, it's, it's not good for us. According to somebody that saw a video and didn't like what they were doing, anyway. I will say, I will say, I remember, good. I remember, um, you know, when I was doing classes, and there was there was some practices with um, some kids that some of the moms wouldn't like every once in a while. You get into yeah. like, so yeah. I think I can, I can sympathize with that. Yeah. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, Mike. Are we gonna have to call CSIS here? What's going on with these kids? <laughs> <laughs> what do you What do you mean? Some unsavory practices that the moms wouldn't like. You, you're gonna no, have no. To I mean, like when I was young, like here. small, right? And you'd you'd go you go do oh. training, right? Okay. Like every once in a while, they're like, "Why like, why is, why is Timmy crying?" You know what I'm saying? Right. It's like because he had to hit the board. So like, oh, why is he hitting the board? <laughs> but here's the thing: why does Why does Mike have a have a mushroom shaped bruise on the back of his head? <laughs> sorry, sorry. These aren't jujitsu. This Dramatic. is like. One of them McDojos you're talking about, I think. <laughs> and, and and Frank, why are you drinking urine? Come on. <laughs> it's not. It's actually seven and seven. It's uh. Ooh. Frank's getting right. a drink. 
Okay, so how does Dominic Reyes tie into this? Because okay. where does yeah, Kevin where Lee does fit Dominic all Reyes this? fit into okay. this? So at the same time, like, <laughs> thank you, thank at you. At this point, Ozzy and you know has had like one fight in the U of MMA ahead of Dominic Reyes, so he's worked his way up to, to have the title fight. You know his, you know his when he won the title, it was a nice 16 second knockout, boom. And then Dominic Reyes won that night too, and it was like a TKO or something. It wasn't as nice. His his striking didn't look as good. It wasn't as good as it is, but he was now the number one guy. So Ozzy gets his title in 16 seconds, and then we have like six weeks or eight weeks till the next one. He's going to defend his title against Dominic Reyes. So here's the mistake that, that I, I felt I made on this one was Dominic Reyes is a southpaw, or he was at that time, you know, been wrestling. What's that? Still a southpaw. Right. So he's and been wrestling he likes to his switch. whole career yeah. with his right leg in front probably cross-facing people that grab for a single leg, right? He's cross, you know, he's cross-facing them the whole time. And a cross-face in wrestling is a rear naked choke in jiu-jitsu. So Ozzy, with it, you know, got his title in 16 seconds, loses it in about 25 because he does a, a deep single with his head on the outside, like a rookie mistake against a guy who's been wrestling his whole life. So in wrestling, he would have got cross-faced, but it's MMA, so he got caught in a rear naked choke. And then he went to sleep. And this is why this is what I don't like about Dominic Reyes. He doesn't know who Ozzy is. Why does he got to you know got to keep it unprofane, right? Did I swear at all? Have I sworn yeah. yet? Okay, yeah. cool. Oh. I thought I did, and I was about to. For no reason, this is not really. Uh, if we're talking about female dogs, it's okay. So he he grabs him in the rear naked choke, and he for no reason he says go to sleep, and then he chokes him up. And then Ozzy's not going to tap, right? Ozzy even told me after the fight, he goes, yeah, coach, I don't want to tell anybody this, but I could see myself, like, from up above, I could see myself asleep on the mats. So when he got choked out, he, like, left his body for a second, and he could see it all. Wow. Jesus Christ. Yeah. But though, So then uh, he got two more titles after that. He got a, uh, a southern, you know, he, you know, so he lost that title. Dominic Reyes went where he went and just got better and better and better. But I think Ozzy was at the same level as him. It was just I would have liked to have seen that bite go longer. And I was kicking myself because I saw him doing that single leg in the change room. And it just it just didn't clue in. It's like it's such a it's such a thing. You don't do that against a wrestler. You don't, it's you know, especially crazy. a wrestler that now knows how to choke you because it's just on the inside. Because your head's here, right? So yeah. when I cross face you, I already got a hook in and then I just put my other hook in and you're going out. Yeah, and, and the worst part is he probably got the broomstick too with it. We the were what? talking to Dean. Broomstick. That, we were that, talking to Dean the, the other week, and he was saying uh, how crazy it is. Broom, how you're not coaches, the, the broomstick takedown. No. No, 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 not the broomstick takedown. But like, never mind, never mind. Sorry, go ahead, David. No, I was just saying like it's crazy how coaches kind of take responsibility. Um, for when their fighter either makes a mistake or doesn't do something the way like they had envisioned it. Um, so no, I just wanted to know: Did you do you feel like if you had told him that he would have been able to have overcome those shortcomings, or do you, you think that Dom- yeah, you or do you think sing- Dominic Reyes would have had like it would have played out the way it did? I I just think what I would have liked him. I it's I just I don't know. It's like. It's it's 2020 hindsight's 2020 right? Mm-hmm. It was right after he it happened. It's like wait, I saw that in a change room, and I just you know I I just didn't clue in at the time. Like here's something I think about coaching. Like so when I'm coaching, 
it, a lot of coaches think that they're like playing a video game, you know, and they're that wired in. I'm offering suggestions to what they can do. I can be telling Stefano to throw a left hook, you know, to knock someone out. He could have his shoulder could be half dislocated. He might, oh. you know what I mean? So if he can't do it, he's got to do his own thing. They're just suggestions I'm throwing out. Do you a know what I think coaches- of? That makes me think of the Anthony Smith fight, uh, if you remember that one, um, where basically his coaches were calling out combos, like, for the entire – and like the entirety of the round, and eventually he got so gassed that you know the other fighter uh, who was it again? Glover um, Teixeira. Glover eventually just G- like G Lover. Yeah, just ground him up. Um, right. So, yeah, no, that's interesting that you're saying that. The reason I coach that way is because I've been in situations where my coaches tell me to do something and I can't do it. You know, because my shoulder was dislocated one time, so I didn't have a coach for that one though. Jay Alfoduke was in my corner. We uh, flew down to IFC. Uh, this is uh, and to to fight in uh, Fresno was it Fresno, one of those places in Fresno, and uh, yeah, the only other Canadian fighter was Jeff Bolduc. So I was like, hey guys, you're each other's cornermen. So here you go. So what was cool about the IFC? Well, not that it was cool, but to compete with the UFC, they wanted to have an international flavor. So one of the fighters was from LA, but he was Mexican. So it's like from Mexico, this guy. You know, oh, from Canada, yeah, full look, right? You know, if the guy was Irish, from Ireland, but he's really from Fresno. You know, that's what they would do. They would just hype it up. So, oh, this is an international event. We got fighters from everywhere. So they'd spend a little bit of money to get us down because the IFC would go up to Montreal on the Indian Reserve because it was, you know, illegal. Mm -hmm. You know, even my coach Matt Hume, who I moved to Seattle to train with, he, uh, I'm one of the. extreme fightings that he did he fought or he was coaching on that one but he snuck out of the hotel when everybody got arrested the cops yeah he did fight on that one i think the cops waited till the fight was over because they didn't want there to be like a riot or a brawl then they arrested everybody after the fights but he snuck out i think they caught orlando veet you remember him stefano what i don't remember orlando veet no no he was in ufc too he, uh, oh, got he's the one that... Um, Rimko Pardo, Rimko Pardo yeah. had him and oh, he just, yeah. Yeah, he had him in like a head and arm and his head was there and like a light bulb went on. I was like, oh, wait a sec. And he just started dropping elbows on him. Wait, I got a question oh. for Frank. I got a question for Frank. Um, yeah. Obviously, you're talking about some MMA legends like Matt Hume. Like, I mean, I, I just want to ask you, what was it like to train MMA with such a legend back then? You're talking about like Indian reservations. These are foreign concepts to well, a lot of MMA fans and a lot of MMA practitioners now. So what was it like to train with such a legend back then when the sport was still in its infancy? So Matt Hume, so I knew of Matt Hume since about 90 something. And my original goal when I first started training with all the guys, like I, I wasn't going to stick around in Canada very long. So when I moved to Fresno and blew my shoulder out, my plan was I was moving to Seattle soon after that. But I actually, I retired from MMA, My fr- like, after I blew my shoulder out, I started, you know, helping a friend of mine to film some short films, and I was I wanted to make movies. Like, that was my other kind of passion I had. And uh, so I would have moved in uh, to Seattle to train with Matt Hume in 2001, or 2000, but uh, I ended up staying a couple more years. I took about a year off where I didn't train. I kind of did it the wrong way. Like everybody else, like that, that goes really far in this sport. They just get the surgery and they just go forward. Like DJ's had a couple of surgeries, you know. Mighty Mouse, he broke his hand in his one, his first fight in the WEC. 
but he was back within months. You know, the, the recovery rate, especially as like 26, is way higher. So you just if you, if you break something, Stefano, just fix it and go back in there like you did with your knee. Right? Yeah. Like, just don't wait. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, so when I did finally tr- get to train with Matt, that was in 2004 is when I moved there. So it, it was still amazing, though, because it was like little stuff like uh, – when Matt Hughes did the uh, the crucifix on top of uh, Car- Carlos, Car- Car- ah, Carlos Newton, yeah, yeah, that was something Matt Hughes had always been doing. Like he'd been doing crucifix. Like there's stuff that uh, you just stuff that he was doing back then that people are doing today. And also he, uh, it just felt like the evolution of the sport. It's like things you're watching people doing. He would teach it as a class. Like oh, we do this, we do that, you know. And it's like it was like learning jujitsu and kickboxing all together. Because everything was related, like it was all connected. Like he's always been a mixed martial artist. Like he wasn't, you know, he wasn't. He he went to Abu Dhabi, you know, he did the submission wrestling, but he was a kickboxer before that, you know. And he started boxing when he was five years old. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he told me he was watching some sh- TV show. I don't know, I don't know why Blue's Clues is popping in my head, but it was mm-hmm. it's not because it was uh-huh. a show like that that he was watching. And he looked over at his dad. He said, he said, I want to try boxing. So his dad took him down to the boxing gym when he was five. So how about you, Frank? Bruce Lee, too, for a little bit. So I don't know if that means anything, but. How about you? Then what made you want to get into MMA? Because obviously nobody's born knowing. Bruce Lee. Really? Okay. Yeah. And uh, more Bruce Lee than anybody else. Everybody else says they've seen a Bruce Lee movie and then they wanted to do this. Mine was the opposite. I think I might have saw a Fantasy Island episode when I was a kid where this guy wanted to be a martial arts guy. And then I rewatched it recently. And I don't know if you guys know who Mako is, but the guy that he fought for his little Kung Fu showdown was Mako, who's this uh, Japanese icon with that deep voice. I think he's on Samurai Jack. I think he's the the voice of the guy. As Mako. You recognize his voice if you hear it. He just died. Is it um, uh, Apu or Apu? Apu. Yes. Samurai Jack, man. What a show. What a show. Yeah. Oh, my God. So uh, I was like, he ended up being um funny story Avatar the Last Airbender connection. He was um General Iro. I so, right? that. Uncle it was really Uncle Iro. Yeah, Uncle Iro. He was Uncle Iro, and, and he ended up passing away. away. Yeah, passed oh, away. Rest, rest in peace. If your urine is this dark, you have kidney problems. <laughs> I'm telling you. <laughs> so I think that's the guy we're talking about. So yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know it. It's like it's. I can't even do deep voices. There's no bass. Oh yeah. If you want trouble, if you come to the right base. All right, so you think that Bruce Lee got you into MMA? I mean, it's one thing to watch yeah, it here's on the Bruce like Lee TV. Connection. What made you go into a gym and actually compete? So I'm a little kid growing up, and first, uh, so you think the the ninja came over here in movies? They didn't. Frank Miller, the writer of 300 and Sin City. And the Dark Knight Returns, comic writer, he wrote Daredevil. He was an artist first. He wrote Daredevil. He brought the ninja over there in the hand, the hand were his ninjas. And then Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, those guys love Frank Miller so much. They're like, well, let's call our ninjas the foot. <laughs> let's call. And then Daredevil had a mentor that Frank Miller introduced called Stick. Well, let's just call him Splinter. Like, they totally just ripped off. Even the origin of the turtles in the first Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles comic, when it was for grownups, is a blind canister, a canister hits a kid across the eyes, blinds him. So it's Daredevil's origin, then it bounces a bunch more times, and then it lands in the sewer, and then it makes the turtles. So anyway, I don't know how I got... Oh, yeah, Frank Miller. So I wanted to be a ninja when I was 12. 
<laughs> I wanted to go to Japan. You know, I looked at martial arts as like catching arrows and meditating and levitating. And then I moved to Alberta, Redneck, Alberta. <laughs> and it kind of became, it, 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 uh, I started uh, a former jiu-jitsu in Ottawa. At, uh, his name is John Eve Terrio. Or no, wait. Therian jiu-jitsu, but John Eve Terrio was a kickboxer that trained out of there as well. He oh, was like, Terrio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know of Eve Terrio, legendary Canadian kickboxer. Iceman, right? Yeah, yeah, he yeah. He trained out of there too. So I, my first style was jiu-jitsu, but it was more like wrist locks and escapes from being grabbed and break falls. So my first month of doing break falls, I thought I was learning how to karate chop people on the ground. Because you're like, break fall number one, slap. Okay, so we're slapping people in the groin, on the ground. But then... You know, that's my best skill I ever learned because it saved me so many times. Like one time, my 30th birthday, I was falling face first because Jesse threw me to grab my shirt and I did a break fall that broke my arm. Like it shattered my elbow, but it saved my neck because I would have landed on my face. I've wiped out on my bike. So whenever I'm teaching self-defense and I teach him a break fall first, I tell him this in Canada will save your life more than anything else. Like fall down, you're on the ground, you did a break fall. I didn't even know you did it. So anyway... Back to the story. This I knew this was going to be the problem because I just yeah. I ramble. Uh, so I wanted to do martial arts and I watched kung fu movies, but I didn't watch Bruce Lee movies because I'm like I don't know why. I know why now because once I watched a Bruce Lee movie, all those kung fu movies I watched before were crap. Yeah, because they were. They were he just he was that much above everybody else, right? Yeah. And then years later, well, I'll get into Quentin Tarantino later, but he kind of did the same thing with movies, but. Uh, you know, as a millennial, you know, you're seeing Quentin on this side. You aren't seeing Quentin before movies. There's like the BQT area era and the AQT era where after movies, they just changed and they sucked for a long time in the 90s because of him. Anyway, that's another rabble. You can edit that out, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, I got you. So then I watched Bruce Lee and I didn't just watch him, but I read everything he wrote. Like, so I read the Tao Jeet Kune Do. So before, you know, I'd only done a little bit of that jujitsu not the jiu-jitsu we're doing now and i was gonna go join a taekwondo gym when we moved to red deer alberta hey, but I, hey, yeah. and then he realized it was useless and decided to change jiu-jitsu again frank oh, oh, oh what's that taekwondo oh, oh yeah thoroughly useless mike seems to think a, there's some kind of i got a nice jump spinning hook kick knockout that i probably sent you eight times there, there we go there, there it is i like him already uh, in a muay thai fight this so, is the fight in the Muay Thai fight. <laughs> hold on, hold on. Mike, it worked in the 90s. Don't try it in 2020, okay? <laughs> Guys back then didn't have takedown defensive. Well, you know what? So in my fight where I blew my shoulder out, this is before we knew striking was good for MMA. I had my shoulder out for like 10 minutes. There were 10-minute rounds. They weren't fives. And I thought, oh, man, I'm in shock or something. I don't know what's wrong with me. I feel like I'm going to faint. I'm going to throw this jump spinning hook back kick, and it's either going to look good or he's going to catch it and dump me on my head. So then I got dumped on my head. I thought, that didn't work. And then he threw a guillotine on me, and I'm like, this isn't working. I tapped. The ref didn't see it. So I kept going. Okay, maybe I'll get something. Kept moving around, and I just I could feel it. Like, I didn't know my shoulder was out. This is what's messed up about injuries is, like, shoulder was out. It just felt like it was asleep. Like you wake up at two in the morning and your arms asleep. It's like, why is my arm asleep? And then after you feel the pain when the ref puts it back in or the uh, ring doctor. But so the whole connect. So we moved to uh, Red Deer. Was reading a lot of Bruce Lee, 
and uh, and he's always talked about like four ranges he called it and just like the totality of martial arts so when mixed martial arts came out it was what bruce lee was saying the whole time and you, you get all these people that like you, you watch a video of bruce lee on youtube and they just go on. They don't have anything to base what they're they're calling him bullshit. Oh, he's just an actor. He's this, he's that. They don't know what he's really done for influence in the martial arts. And if you look at all these coaches like Greg Jackson, they all know that Bruce Lee was the guy they looked up to. And not just for his movies. Like, the movies were great, but it's his writings outside of that. Like, I have that, when you know, when you get those lists of what are your favorite authors, blah, blah, blah. I always put Frank Miller in there. I always put uh, Bruce Lee in there. You know, he's not a writer, but... He authored a book, so he's one of my favorite authors, you know, next to Hunter S. Thompson. I've always said uh, Bruce Lee's, like, philosophies on martial arts was, like, you know, it was it was definitely a great starting out point for MMA. Yeah, yeah for sure. I, yeah, yeah. yeah. People don't necessarily credit him enough for, um, I guess, you know, breaking stylistic boundaries. You know, if it works, it works, which... You know, and I, apparently he was starting to uh, experiment with grappling towards the end with, with judo yep. and. Oh yeah, with uh, Gene LaBelle. Yeah, yeah. Before he was killed by the uh, the CIA. Allegedly. 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 <laughs> Allegedly. I'm not trying to get sued. Allegedly. Um, who's uh, who's theory is that? Hmm? Uh, um, sorry. Oh, the theory that Bruce Lee was killed by the CIA. Yeah. Uh, Oh, I've never heard that. Neither have I. I just made it up on the spot. To be honest. <laughs> it's everywhere. He wasn't killed by the CIA. He was killed by the triads. That's what they say. That's like, right. allegedly. I don't know anything. Allegedly. About anything. Allegedly. Yeah, and then there's the, there's the whole conspiracy theory afterwards about that his son on the filming of a, a movie in in Hong Kong was shot um, somehow. I don't think the Crow was filmed in Hong Kong though. I think was it was it not Hong Kong? San Francisco. Okay. Well, yeah. wherever the movie was filmed, the the conspiracy theory was that. Yeah. Um, they checked the guns beforehand. You know, they were going to be all firing off blanks. He was going to be fine. Then somehow he ends up shot uh, because there was a rock in one of the barrels of the guns that was supposed to be. Yeah, what it was was they didn't have dummy bullets for an earlier scene. So they took a real bullet, opened it up, took all the gunpowder out, put it in. And they had all these dummy bullets that they made on the set. And one of the dummy bullets was kind of left in when they put the 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 blank center whatever so it was a dummy it was a real bullet so there was oh, wow. enough gunpowder that it fired off and it still killed him wow. so like you can take all the gunpowder out of a bullet and put it back in a gun you're still going to be able to kill someone with it but it wasn't supposed to be in there it might have been in the chamber or something and they put the blanks in and as an actor you're not supposed to point the gun at the guy anyway like if i'm going to shoot you you know i'm going to shoot beside you unless it's up close because there's a paper that comes out anyway ah. so Industry secrets, man. In, industry but if you're secrets. acting, though, you know what I mean? Spur of the moment, heat of the moment, you're probably going to point the gun right at me. Even if I tell you, you know what? Point it off to my side. You're just going to be in the moment, right? Yeah, and I find like people yeah. usually try to make some kind of explanation um, for death that they don't understand. So that's probably why this is like... David, people, hold on. David, people, people, okay. it's not just... People make try and make explanations for all kinds of things they don't understand. That's, how we, have, so that's how we have conspiracy theories, man. You know, that's how we have religion. <laughs> have my conspiracy <laughs> theories. Who said? Wait, hold, 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 hold on, hold on, Frankie, podcast. my boy. Frankie, I my want boy. I believe the world that's is flat, why we okay? have religion. Frankie, my boy. <laughs> this is a Christian podcast. Anyway, my question to you, Frankie, um, Frank, uh, was because you talked about coaching Demetrius Johnson. Can you talk about how that came to pass? Okay. And, what that was like. I mean, so here's how DJ came about. So he saw the first season. I moved to Seattle around the time of the first season of Ultimate Fighter, like 2004. That's when the first one came out. 
and MMA was not really anywhere. Like it wasn't like it is today. And I really believe that Spike TV and they Ultimate it. Fighter. They, they saved it. They yeah. needed each other. Like Spike TV needed something like we're the man's network. Remember, that's what their deal was. We're for oh, man. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. okay. So let's get this reality show that's like Sex the real life terrible. on steroids. Like have these athletes that are going to fight each other. Yeah, it's like, like awful. House for the drama. And then, you know, so, and now when you go to watch UFC, you're like, oh, I know that guy. I saw him on TV. So yeah, it, yeah. It, 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 everybody got interested in it. Like, uh, like, oh yeah, these guys, these fighters, like, like they're people. Let's watch them. So that blew it up because there, there was a, when my battery, for some reason, my battery's running low. All right. All right. Stick Let's, it in. Stick it's All right. Let's get this opportunity actually to do the news. <laughs> Are <laughs> 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 still doing that? Hey, hey guys, oh, guys. So uh, uh, every every story with Frankie is as is as follows. So Frank, how did you? Uh, what happened? How did you find that quarter on the ground 15 minutes ago? So you know, in 1945, you know. <laughs> uh, and what is a quarter? What you got to understand is that the first kung fu movie came out in 1945, and they had a big inspiration on me picking up that quarter. I had a 50 cents in my pocket one time. <laughs> <laughs> Frank, I just roasted you. I don't know if you heard of it. I heard it. I heard it. Okay. I'll tell you about the quarter later, though. <laughs> okay, so you want to do the news, or do you want me to tell you about DJ? No. DJ. Oh no, I was just doing it so that your battery could be in. Okay. But honestly, like, I'm good. I'm good. Go, go okay. ahead. So, so the first season of Ultimate Fighter came out. DJ saw, it and he's like, and he was a wrestler. He was a high school wrestler at the time. So his experience for combat sports before that was three years of high school wrestling. And this is what's cool about DJ. His first two years competing, he'd never been taken down. So in his third year, he was on his butt for the first time. And he's like, whoa, this is new to me. I've never been here. Like, he was that good of a wrestler. But he didn't decide to go to, like, you know, go further in the college stuff. He, he wanted to try this, try the sport. So there was AMC where I uprooted my life because I'd wanted to move to AMC since 98, 99. Uh, I finally moved there in 2004, and then I was I, after about eight months. Matt asked me to teach, so I started teaching. And then I would go. There was two locations. There was one down. It's called the Super Mall, this big mall down in Auburn, and uh, they had a Vision Quest named after the movie because Matt partnered up with a, a wrestler, Brad something. He he had Vision Quest, and it was a huge gym, and then it had a uh, a, a boxing ring. You know, MMA ring. And then later on, they actually got a pro wrestling ring in there. So you could bounce off the ropes and bounce off the floor. Like, they're really springy. But they had pro wrestling there, too. And just more weights. And this huge, like, windows. Like, people walking in the mall could see you. And I guess it was great for advertising. So Matt was having his uh, – Matt's wife was having their first baby. So – and I know how these things work. It's like, oh, until the baby's born, can you uh, go down to Auburn on Thursdays and – uh you know, help Steve. That was another guy that came to MC to be a fighter, but he became a coach of DJ and a lot of a lot of other guys from the from the Auburn location. So I would go down Thursdays, and the baby was born, and then I was still going down there Thursdays. Like Matt would come down, you know, Saturdays or every other Thursday, but it was now my job to go down there on Thursdays. So I met DJ when he was down there, and he was just, you know, he was a student like everybody else, learning the way, but he was just, you know, tenacious. He just. Like, when I stopped teaching down there, you know, this is the stories you'd always hear. Like, uh, if someone was extra tired or they were run down, they're like, oh, what happened? Oh, DJ. You know, because he would just he'd run through people. Because everybody was bigger than him, right? Man, that's crazy. 
Yeah. And then I guess like whatever, t- 10 years later, he goes and arm bars Ray Borg in that highlight where he like picks him up and then arm yes. bars him. That was yeah. awesome. Yeah, yeah. That, was, that was crazy. Yeah, yeah I, I got here in 2015. So I, his actually five years before that was his first fight in the WEC and almost five years to the day because it showed up on my Facebook like you were here. I was taking a picture from he's a brand new fighter. So friends and family get seats way up in the back of the stadium. Right. So I'm sitting like behind all these other people's and their families. And obviously someone's coached two rows in front of me because this guy was yelling out numbers to everybody that I think it was everybody's coach sitting in front of me in the back row because he was louder than anybody in the gym. This guy's like, Cab Cross, take him down. <laughs> and she didn't know him at all. It was, he was the loudest guy in the place. Uh, <laughs> and then five years later, when I came out here for a quick visit, I was driving my, uh, I closed my gym in LA and I was driving across the country to, to help another legend in the, the sport here, Shaw Franco, who trained all of us and a lot of MMA fighters. He was going away for, uh, like three to six months to Japan. So I took over a school and lived in the back for that time. This is 2015. And then uh, I got a call that uh, DJ was uh, headlining the show in Montreal. So I got a couple of the good tickets this time, though, since he's not just like a starting fighter, but he's like the main event. Now the family friend seats were the best because I was like, <laughs> I was like yeah. sitting right, right next to Chuck Liddell. And behind me was uh, an actor who I totally, Luis Guzman. So I see the name and I'm thinking, oh, there's a fighter named Luis Guzman, you know, not thinking it's the actor. And I turn around and it's Luis Guzman. And for some reason, it's been years since I've seen Blood In, Blood Out. And this this is my most embarrassing moment that I didn't even figure it out. He's not in Blood In, Blood Out. There's this other actor that only looks like him when he moves his eyes a certain way. So I got a still of the guy. His name's Popeye in the movie. So I meet Luis Guzman and I'm like, oh, man, you know, we always do this that your character did in Blood and Blood Out. So I go on for like five minutes. Oh, <laughs> if someone has read Man. So in the movie, Popeye's like, this one, by the way, is famous as hell. Like, give me some chun chun. More recognizable line, right? out there. Who's seen Blood and Blood Out? Anybody? No, I have not seen it. But no. Louis Brisbane is, was he like, probably like really recognizable. So. Yes, yeah, no, yes. he is. And he doesn't look like this actor, but I thought, you know what? So one time when I was looking it up, there's a picture of the guy where he's got the same eyebrows because he's making a face, but it's a still. That's it. It's the only time he would ever look like this guy. He's just oh, I know Louise Guzman. So I'm like, oh, man, this is like, uh, you know, he's just aged. He's just, he was that young is what I'm thinking. So in the movie, you know, he's like, give me some chun chun to Milkweed. Who is, <laughs> uh, that's, that's like the main star of the show. Which And if you watch Blood and Blood Out, a lot of the guys on my team, because everybody that I taught at NZT was mostly from Mexico, and then a few from Guatemala, like one or two from Honduras, but every, everybody was from south of the border. And then there was there was three black guys, and I'd always say, and it's just us four black guys. So that, <laughs> And there was like two white guys. Okay. So, I don't know if anybody else has any questions for Frank, but I got one, which is, um, what's the difference between coaching in Canada versus anywhere else that you coach? If there's a difference, uh, I don't know because the sports caught up. Like when I first moved to Seattle and I came back and I'd go to the big pro shows here because there was no amateur here. You know, we had amateur down the States and it was better, but right away you've had one fight and now you're fighting for a title pro, you know, and you might have some jiu-jitsu experience. So that's where the difference used to be. 
So I would see someone, and I know how judges work. I would see somebody playing guard the whole time, trying, you know, trying to throw up a triangle and getting pounded out, and then surprised that they lost the fight, kind of thing. That's what it used to be like, but now it's kind of caught up. It's like where it's pretty close. It's the knowledge is everywhere now. You know, you can go on YouTube and learn. You don't have to uproot yourself as much. It's still nice. You get there's certain little tricks that I think I picked up from you know from uprooting my life and going down there uh, but you can see a lot of online but the coaching it's pretty similar when i closed my gym i had a bunch of guys i've been training for three years and they were good amateurs and i got lucky because i went back to my friend uh in in alberta he gave me a job when i went to red deer had a rashi doe and the job was to work with his pro fighters so it's like i didn't really have to change anything it's like oh i'm already work. I'm, i don't have to teach people how to shrimp i don't have to people teach people how to escape you know the guard it's like i got these these higher level athletes and i get to work with them so it was a good transition for me you know back but uh frank's gym by the way was uh nzt new zealand top team i don't know why he called it that (laughs) but uh, there it is right there nzt so you know this you know the i told you it's i told you it was new zealand top team (laughs) so the z is at the end i know limit's not spelled with a z but look it's no limits. Yes. yes. <laughs> so even the acronym is limitless. NZT is the drug that uh, Bradley Cooper takes in Limitless, and he uses 100% of his mind. So uh, when I saw that movie, I got really inspired. Within a year of seeing that movie, I had uh, had a brand new FJ, and I moved into uh, Al Capone's summer hideout. I lived in this penthouse in L.A. for two years. So that was an inspirational movie, yeah. And what gave me the money to do all that was I got a job at Tap Out. And the manager at Tap Out, she was new to it. So she just kept giving us raises like before we were supposed to get raises. So the owner, that's a whole complete other story. He, uh, guys, will be right back. More, there's a lot more success that could have came out of Tap Out than did. Like there was people that I know after I left that uh, got their SAG card because things were getting filmed in there all the time. The, the special features on Warrior, that movie, uh, they were filmed in there because of the tap-out guys. Like, it was it was a good place, but the owner was just, he was kind of toxic. He kind of, he just kind of ruined everything for, for a lot of people. So that's why I left and I took my team. So when I left, they hired Eddie Bravo to take my place. But the difference was they didn't hire Eddie Bravo. They had Eddie Bravo move in and pay rent. So instead of paying someone, now they had someone paying rent, which was kind of, it was good for both of them because the tap-out name helped at 10th planet and of course 10th planet helped tap out so it's just like spike tv and the uh and ultimate fighter how they helped each other it's mm-hmm. like you know that's how it worked out pretty good wow. but there are competition for a while which is kind Man, of cool. you are like like an mma like you're like a so, legend you see david like, is uh, smiling ear to ear like he's a he's a kid at a candy store no, pretty much like it's <laughs> like you lived like within oh, the life so long yeah um, and a lot of, you know, uh, yeah, I, I just, I'm so appreciative for you sharing some of your knowledge on here. Just wish I could keep a coherent thought without rambling. It's <laughs> <laughs> part of the brilliance, man. It's part of the brilliance. <laughs> Do you guys have any other questions or any other? Do you guys have any questions while I go through my list? Uh, I'm pretty much kind of all of them have been answered. I want to ask about G- DJ. That was yeah. the one for me, the DJ. Oh, wait, oh, wait. Okay. Um, so you trained Bob Sapp, right? And no, no, I trained with Bob Sapp. I didn't train him. Like I've, 
I've trained with him. Like Matt would be training him. You know, Bob Sapp doesn't train as much as you know a lot of athletes. I don't know if you can tell. Like, no. He he was a beast when he first came out. But the thing about Bob is Bob is the sweetest man on earth. Like the sweetest. So, and this is something. This is a I never noticed this, but this is a John McCarthy opinion. Is that he's a fighter, but he's afraid. He's afraid of fighting. That's that's John's theory. That's big. That's what he said. It's like, and I don't know that it's afraid, but he's like a super nice guy who puts on a show of being mean, you know. But they, but he, uh, what's fun, like training with Bob Sapp is fun because we we're training in a pool one time, and he doesn't float. There's no fat. You need some fat to float, right? He's nothing. He's all muscle, like he's three fifty without lifting weights because you know he's done so much to get so big. He was four fifty with abs at one time. Right. So if you're 450 on all the sauce and you go off all the sauce, his shrunk down to normal. What he is is 350 with abs. Like he's not getting getting any smaller than that. And uh, we're, we're training. So he needs the water wings because he'll just sink to the, the 350 is solid muscle. So after we at AMC, you do five rounds of tread. If you have a five round fight, you do five rounds treading water before you do your swimming. And then uh, you flying arm bars in, in the shallow end. Right. So I said it to him. I said it as a joke. I'm like, oh, we're going to be doing flying arm bars next. And he's like, hey, hey, yeah, that's funny. And then Matt's like, okay, flying arm bars. So it's easy for me to do one on him, you know, sh- jump up. Mm-hmm. And then he's doing them too, and it works in the water. But we're doing take the back and do a rear naked choke. So when I take his back, to do a rear naked choke, it's like putting your arm around someone's chest because of his neck. <laughs> grabbing, and, like, that's how big his neck is, right? And then when he did it to me, he takes my back. It's like you're in a room because there's an arm here, an arm, and then a hand, and you can't see. Like the whole room is black because he's just so big. But he's a great guy. But like I said, I just think it's uh, – and this is an opinion that other friends of mine is he's just a super nice guy, and that's how he makes his living is by fighting. Yeah. So Nothing wrong so, with it, man. Just yeah. worst ways to make a living. Yeah, but, but he doesn't like to fight. So and he even says that. Like I think I was listening to a podcast the other day where he's gonna come out and try and kill you in a minute or two, and if he doesn't get it, he's gonna. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Who's that? Bob Sapp. Yeah. Well, that's it. But that's interesting. Oh, were you telling? Were you telling him the Bob Sapp stories? Yeah. <laughs> but see, this is interesting because you know you see early Bob Sapp where he's he's throwing Nogueira on his neck. Yeah. You know? yeah. And now you see him kind of, you know, one punch and he's. Essentially, I want. I'm not going to say throwing the fight, but he's giving up early, right? right. And he's so, with someone bag, who's Mike. kind of sorry, he's getting the bag. He's yeah, he's getting the bag. So, like, out. as someone who's kind of known him, it's kind of interesting that you do mention that because that would make a lot of sense. Wait, what did yeah. what did Frank? Oh, about about him quitting after uh, the one minute. Is that it? Yeah, I saw that on another podcast, and it totally made sense that like he's he says it he said it to somebody, so it's not even like it's a secret, but it's just I'm there for the paycheck. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Right, yeah. I want to ask. Um, oh, Wait. So, oh, yeah, yeah, go ahead. You can go. Ahead. No, I was gonna pivot completely. Okay. Um, kind of a pivot. I, I have two questions, but um, who's the the best fighter you've trained that the world doesn't really know about? You want me to say you, don't you? You <laughs> <laughs> already said it, man. He already said it. Did he actually? Uh, oh. you know what? Uh, okay, so no, when don't I you have to DJ, say me. We all know it's true, but you can you can you can pick someone else. When I uh, when I was at AMC, right, I was teaching what I know, and a lot of it I learned from Matt. A lot of it I learned from Shaw. A lot of it I learned from Silvio tapes. You know, before YouTube, I, I've 
In my basement, I have I've got well, I have four hundred and sixty five like CD cases full of DVDs that are MMA training, you know, and then I have some originals and then some bootlegs. But I have I have like more, you know, over a thousand instructionals here, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So I don't know why I got on that. What was I talking about? That has nothing to do with what I asked. <laughs> it does. It does. Who's the best fighter that you trained that yeah, uh, but uh, we might not know about? And Frank's like, you know, down in my basement, I got uh, I got a Mongolian sex slave, and uh, you know, he's uh, he's gagball and all, but he's a lovely guy. <laughs> how, how many how many dead Mongolian sex slaves does it take to change a light bulb? Oh, oh no! Oh no! How many? How many? Hold on! Uh, apparently, more than three. My basement's still dark. No, don't, don't, don't. The world must know. Oh, the story. Oh, shit. Do you guys get CP24? Yeah. yeah holy shit. Some actresses got sh- stabbed at the airport. Reese. No. Okay, I have to Reese. edit that part out. We're going to edit Wait, who got stabbed at the airport? Reese. Some actress. Reese, Reese Witherspoon? No, with a knife, you dummy. <laughs> was that a joke? Was it's that a bad joke. joke? You didn't get it. <laughs> you got it. I'll I didn't get know. Wither spoon with the knife. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Okay. I I have to. I promise you, I was on CBC right now looking up. Uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> so okay. I, I wanted I wanted to ask. Oh, sorry. Go on. Go on. Okay. So it was about the okay best fighter ever. Tra- uh, so and why is it not so when i went to uh yeah the point about the instructionals and like like what i've learned and taught to other people when i was at amc i was teaching but i was teaching you know what matt wanted me to teach i was teaching his way you know and so dj he uh a lot of his training came from a guy you don't hear a lot about named steve skids now when you go to amc like matt is such a strong force like you end up doing whatever he wants you to do. Like Steve went there to be a fighter, but he became a coach because like, I think Matt knew, okay, you're, you're a really good coach. He ended up coaching the Auburn team and all the titles were coming out of Auburn, like for the amateur titles and stuff. Like there's, there's a couple guys. Uh, so Steve Skids was really instrumental in getting like DJ up to the level he's at, you know, he controlled his conditioning. You know, sometimes he only had three days to train with them. Like on a Saturday, they would do their training and their conditioning. Like when you're an amateur fighter, you don't get the luxury of two a days. So your one a day is all your training and all your conditioning. So you're learning your technique, you're doing your sparring and you're doing your conditioning. So he built DJ a lot all through his amateur career. And then, you know, part of the thing that I'd always done for myself, because I, I had what I did for myself, which was competing jiu-jitsu to, to train for a fight. Like, my first MMA fight was on a, a Saturday. After a week before on the Sunday, I did a jiu-jitsu tournament. Like, that's how I did it. Like, I have a calendar here that was goals at the time. in 19, I think it was 97 or 98. It's a big year-long calendar. And then it became, it was a goal at the time, like this tournament, first place. If I didn't get first place, I would change it to what I got second place. But now it's like a diary. So this is what it takes to, to, to get, you know, to that level. Uh, there was 12 jiu-jitsu competitions and six fights that I did in that one year. So that's the kind of thing you need to do. Like if you do, if you want to fight in two months and you do, uh, you do three tournaments, three weeks in a row, and your other conditioning that you're doing, you're in condition to take that fight now. 
Like that's what it takes. Like three tournaments, you know, and that's why tournaments have always been good. So with DJ, I took him to, he only did three tournaments. Remember I said my guys did about 10 or 12 mm-hmm. after that. DJ did three. He did two intermediates and an advanced and he got gold in all three. And he didn't even stick around for his gold medal for two of them. He's like, oh, that's cool. You know, I'm done now. And he would just leave. So he didn't even wait to get presented the medal kind of thing. So he started fighting soon after that. Like I said, Ozzy had 12 golds before he uh, before he did his first competition. But now these guys are stepping in and they're, you know, they're they're not uh, you're not walking out from joining up a gym, training for three months. And now you walk out this row of people with lights in your face and you got to fight when you do a grappling competition. Two people might be looking at you. Yeah. When you do a fight, everyone's looking at you. So that's that's stressful for people. So that's why I did the tournaments. I was going to ask, um, because I keep hearing the story, like guys, for example, Max Holloway apparently had never trained MMA before his first amateur fight, or, or guys training for like a few months and then jumping in. Do you think that happens more now or back then? Um, and would you throw a fighter or a newbie in after like only three months, maybe one competition, uh, would you throw them in an MMA fight? Or do you think like that experience is just... It depends on the person because I was, I trained a guy at AMC and then so there's a, a little island near Seattle called Mercer Island. They had a Jewish community center there. And then we had like two days a week. We opened like a little, you know, AMC to try it out there. And then I had a guy there that he only trained for three months and he really wanted to fight. We let him fight. He knocked the guy out with a right cross. So it just, some people can have it, but it's a numbers game. And like I said about Ozzy before, he was super talented. And I, that's why I let him fight Jens Grau because I thought, you know, if it was anybody else, I wouldn't have let him. And even though he kind of tricked, tricked us into getting him to fight, I wouldn't, I didn't want it to happen. And it was the worst possible thing that could happen. You know, he got knocked out. Mm-hmm. So it's like, for the most part, I won't. And then I also used to have a rule that I needed people to train three months before they did a grappling tournament. And some of these rules come because of what I was doing. I had a guy who he hadn't, it, he actually trained three months, but he hadn't really been in the class. Like he, he hurt his hand, so he wasn't really there. He came to a tournament and he watched and he's good now. But at the time that he did his, this tournament, I realized he hadn't been on the floor to actually train like more than 10 times. And he was in a Kimura, and he, I say, go left, go left, and he went right, and he went into it, and he broke his arm. And so I made this rule that people need to train with me three months before they get their first uh, tournament even. But this girl, Tiffany, came along down in L.A., and uh, she trained with me for a month, and she really wanted to do this submission-only tournament. And we're like, she was good. She was really strong. You know, she triangle in dudes. And so I put her in, and she won it. So it's like it's different all the time. It has to be case by case, but I don't know if it happens more or less or it happens the same, but it's like the percentage is bigger because there's more people doing it, you know? Like there's going to be an anomaly that comes in, you know? Some guy that wrestled alligators his whole life has never been in a fight, <laughs> steps into the UFC and knocks everybody out, right? <laughs> how has the, the evolution of mixed martial arts benefited fighters? Okay. I think so back when we were doing it, we had to like, it's, it's, it, there's techniques and there's an actual style now. So MMA now is a style before it was like, it's, it's totally benefited them. It's like, now you go to a gym to learn how to be the best at MMA before 
you were like, okay, I'm a good grappler. I'm going to learn how to kickbox. So you'd go to a kickboxer to learn how to kickbox. So it's just made it so that we're going to get the fighters are going to be way better. Like, you know, guys like Frank Sharmrock was one of the first guys that looked like he had it kind of all together where he was kicking, punching, doing takedowns, submissions. He was, he was one of the guys, you know, Matt was too. Uh, Eric Paulson was kind of one of the guys. I think Eric Paulson was one of the guys. I don't think he was as athletic as some of the, some of the other guys, like, cause when those wrestlers came along and he ended up losing to these wrestlers cause then wrestlers proved that these guys have the conditioning and the athleticism because wrestling just makes you a, a tougher human. Like it just makes you strong. Even though the word wrestling comes from like to struggle, like that's the base Latin word mm-hmm. means to struggle. It's all about the struggle and imposing your will. In jiu-jitsu, you don't always impose your will. And because of the cross-training, like, jiu-jitsu guys do their jiu-jitsu like they're wrestlers. Like, when you wrestle with Stefano, he doesn't feel like a jiu-jitsu guy. He feels like he's, he's wrestling you and he's, you know, being, being a to you, crushing your face, trying to steal your soul. I, I, can <laughs> I have to be in shape when I wrestle with him. If I'm not in shape, I'm gasping for air. So I can attest to that. It's not fun. It's no, no. Noted. <laughs> Noted, Stefano. I'm going to... I'm going to park my joke. If you know what it is with Stefano, honestly, it's it's like a consistent pressure with him. Mm-hmm. It, it, that's what it is. It's a consistent pressure. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, I'm in deep water now. Okay. Wow. This is, wow. Yeah, okay. That's enough compliments. I, I feel no, like. Yeah, we, we've got is this, is like, this the Stefano <laughs> flattery hour? What happened? <laughs> yeah. No. Please do go on. There's <laughs> nothing no, on my screen about, except. Let's talk about Stefano striking. No. <laughs> I can see Stefano's head right now. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, hold on. My striking's actually pretty good. So, so. <laughs> you want anything you want to say about that too? It's okay. Yeah. All right. Let's move on. <laughs> I wanted to. I think the world needs to know this. So, I wanted to ask Frank because not everybody knows who this person is, and he's one of the more. Hold on one second. Did you guys hear that? Yes. What is yeah. it? Okay. <laughs> Baby. Hey, <laughs> my girlfriend's doing the dishes. Ah, <laughs> so, um, uh, what 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 I was gonna say is a lot of the people don't know who this guy is, and I'm I'm sure Mike might know, but I guarantee you, David and Jeremy don't. And it's actually someone Frank's coach, and this guy is such a weird anomaly, and you know, feature in the mixed martial arts world that I think a little bit. Frank knows exactly who I'm gonna say already. I think I know. Yeah, do you guys know who uh, Phoenix Jones is, a.k.a. Ben Flattop Fodor? The, the hero of Seattle? Yeah, yeah. Oh, so wait, if, wait, 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 yes, actually. The yeah. Vigilante. Yeah, yeah. Vigilante. I'll, I'll oh, also, man, don't disrespect I'll, me like that. Go, <laughs> 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 keep going, keep going, sorry. Hey, man, I don't, I don't think too highly of people who watch Team Sport, but... Uh, <laughs> 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 Listen, so... Um, what about notice how, notice how I didn't say people who play team sports, Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> people who play team sports, it's a bit different. But uh, fans of team sports, Jeremy's no fans are okay until the fans think they're on the team. Like, oh, we 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 had a close one last night. No, you we didn't. Are part of the team. Hold on, you're part of the team. You're, you're part of some franchise bought by some billionaire with yeah, I'm <laughs> based in a certain energy. city. Yeah. yeah. You ate at McDonald's once. I am a part of McDonald's. I'm on the McDonald's team. (laughs) What did Jeremy say? 
Stefano's just scorned from cheering for the Maple Leafs. Fact. Yeah, there it is. There I'm, it is. I don't even like hockey anymore. Come on. Uh, since I have- <laughs> yeah, because of the Maple Leafs. How's that 3-1 going? <laughs> listen, listen. Okay, so what I wanted to say, if you guys don't know Phoenix Jones, a.k.a. Ben Flattop Fodor, uh, Bellator fighter who fought his own brother um, in MMA, yeah. Also dressed up as a superhero in Seattle at night called Phoenix Jones and beat people up on the streets. Just, uh, yeah, for, Frankie's had some, Professor Frankie's had some uh, some odd stories about this guy. Last time I saw him. So in 2015, when I came here to, to take over Shaw's for like six months, I drove back and I was driving back through Red Deer, back through BC, down to Seattle for a month. And then I went back to L.A. I took my car there. Right. Uh, so that's the last time I saw Ben or Phoenix. Because I think he, he even fights by that name now, doesn't he? He used to be mm. flat top. He always had like a flat top, but it was pink. And it was flat. Ah. And he his training at the time before he came to AMC, because he never would come to AMC. His brother would, right? Carlos would, would come. So I knew Carlos since Carlos started. But Ben was like his 19-year-old brother. So in the States, he wasn't old enough to drink. I don't think he would drink anyway, but he would like, he was our designated driver. But he would drive around. He'd have a cup on. And he'd have a mouthpiece in his pocket. You know, anytime Chip would go down, he's like, this is what I live for. And he'd throw him in there. And, uh, yeah, and he's a funny guy, but just crazy stories come out of his mouth. Not all of them true, you know. But, you know, he he, uh, he has to say it. Like the stuff he would say, like he, he would say, you talk about 400 years of slavery is what made him a specimen that he was. And he just like he, he just go on and on and on and on and on. And some of it's jokes, some of it's serious and some of it's lies. Right. Like, I don't know. I heard a story that he went to L.A. and Quentin Tarantino uh, was going to pay him sixty thousand dollars for his life story. But it could have been one of his stories. He was in L.A. at the time. So that's what I thought it might be true. But he always had stories like that. When we got a website, you know, he told me a story. Oh, man, I got a website flatop.com, you know, and people follow me around. And so it, it seemed legit. So I entered it in the in the bar and nothing came up. Hold on, hold on. I just want to point out how old Frankie is. He just described typing in a website as entered it in the bar. (laughs) (laughs) I I went on the old interweb. In the middle of a bar, (laughs) like going on his phone. Hey, any of you guys guys in this bar know who phoenixflattopjones.com is? (laughs) Um, But Jeremy looks like he got some really bad news. Nah. (laughs) Jeremy, you good, bud? I'm great. Need a drink? What? You need you need a drink. You need someone to rub your belly. What's going on, man? Why are you so fixated on me? I'm just <laughs> bro. Because chilling, really, everyone else chilling. is like, yeah, so but, yeah. Kirby's just sitting there like this. Well, <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. Okay, hold on, hold on. But, I, I, want, I want go on, go on, Frank. I want to, I want to, but, you. But like Ben is like like I knew him when he was 19, and he didn't train with us at the time, right? Because it was you know he was the top guy at his school, but his training consisted of like hitting the heavy bag for like 30 minutes in a row, like set the timer, boom, 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 boom. And he would win with sheer athleticism because he was athletically like super gifted. Like he was a specimen, but his technique was horrible. And he lost one time. He beat Cody McKenzie an amateur. Remember Cody McKenzie? When Cody McKenzie turned pro, he guillotined like 10 people in a row. He was undefeated, but an amateur Ben beat him. But he Ben lost once. Looked like a light bulb went on, like, oh, you know, I lost because I should learn more. And then the light bulb broke, and he's like, no, 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 I just got to get back and hit the bag harder or whatever. But he uh, 
he came to train with us once when he got kicked. I told you he got kicked out of his gym. We were talking about weight cutting, and I know what addiction's like. Like uh, he cut a bunch of weight, and he only had a couple pounds to go. And I don't know the numbers anymore. I used to know him, but his coach dropped him off. So he was supposed to be like 155, and he was like 157 or something. Like, okay. But I know what happened. Like, I wasn't there, but I, I know that it was like, open the drawer. There's a Twinkie. I'll have one Twinkie. I'll just have to sweat a little more tomorrow. And then he just gorged himself, and he cleaned his thing out. He was like 170 or something the next day. Like he was, yeah, yeah. So was, they kicked him out. Then he came to AMC, and he was training for a while. So then he was training legit for a little bit. But then he just went back to, to doing his thing, like being the number one guy at the other school. And then him and – you know how stepbrothers are and brothers are. Like sometimes – like I got two friends that are brothers that hate each other and won't even talk to each other. Uh, they I met them at AMC too. Uh, you know, he they had that fight, and uh, Ben was upset that Karos was throwing elbows. He's like, that's my brother. He's trying to hurt me. And Karos' uh, side is, I'm trying to win this fight. It's It's a hard thing. You know, they're fighting each other for money. Because your brothers, and that's going to be a big draw. But what are you supposed to pull the punches? Like, I wouldn't fight my brother. Yeah. So, oh, man. Oh, uh, Jeremy and Michael are brothers. And I just want to say I would pay so much good money for that fight. Oh, my bro, goodness. I Wait, would, hold on. You would, I, wouldn't I, would pay, I wouldn't pay money to see Jeremy smoke Mike in 15 seconds. Definitely. Okay, just go. literally crush him. Just, like, get yeah. a hold of him. And just Jeremy, like, pay money. You, can, you can pay money to see what you think will happen. But what will happen is I'll win. Like, don't worry. My Listen, listen. You versus Jeremy, you versus Jeremy, man. Jeremy would be Johnny like, Sins, and you would be Asa Akira, okay? I got a question for Jeremy. Listen, this show's about, listen, this show's about Professor Frank. But I got questions about Jeremy. I got for you, Jeremy. So, because of his intro, right, I've heard football but I don't know which football is it that you play. Is it soccer uh, football? Is it I'm football? Sorry? Which football? Is it football, like American football, or what we I'm, Americans call soccer? <laughs> um, I'm actually multi-talented, so I can play whatever. Okay. Jeremy, <laughs> you know, it's a simple question. <laughs> <laughs> what butters your breath? Frank's like, Frank's like, so is it soccer or American football? What Jeremy's you, like, Jeremy's like, actually, you know, I can play. I can play. I, I can play many things. Sometimes I play the violin. Uh, sometimes on on weekends I'll play Mario Kart. Uh, <laughs> your, your your impression of my voice changes every week. Do you know that? <laughs> it really does. Yeah, just getting back. It's improving, football. bro. It's improving. It's getting better. Football, professor. So football, football. Listen, yeah, my question of you is like football. the TI-83. It's improving every single the, time. The reason I was pussyfooting around the word is because if, you know, if if it's someone who plays soccer, you call it soccer, they get all crazy. Yeah, I play soccer, <laughs> and I'm offended. Right. I knew it. Yeah. I knew someone was going to get offended. Yeah. No, it's soccer. They need to accept. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Although I do think this could be the year that a soccer player actually wins the Academy Award. Ah, who? Adam Sandler? No, just any of those guys taking oh, those. Just for diving, home. hilarious. Yeah, they they I just have got a Canadian who's absolutely carrying it to shreds. Oh, he's killing it. He's from he's Montreal. Laughing. He's just like this twenty-year-old like Haitian kid. He's absolutely killing it. He might is be he killing it, killing it, or is he flopping, killing it? No, like he might be one of the best players in the okay. world. Like, oh, and he's Canadian. 
yeah, yeah. he's like from Canada. I'm so I, I was so excited care about for the soccer. World Cup this year because Davies and Laren and and all of them were were really doing their thing. Yeah. yeah. And also, just remember this moment where he says he doesn't care about soccer because in four years, six years, there's going to be a World Cup and Stefano is going to be the first one pretending he cares just to get tickets. <laughs> I cared about soccer since day yeah! one. <laughs> Listen, I've been a soccer fan for years. Yeah. I mean, okay, we'll let that one that- go. <laughs> <laughs> is there anything we want to talk about, guys? Oh, wait, wait, wait. An interesting fact. Phoenix Jones, his last fight was against Austin Vanford. Vanderford. Anyone oh. know who that is? Yeah, is that's that uh, Mr. Van- Paige Van Zandt's husband. Yeah. Oh. I, uh, I, I, I know him from her fans only. <laughs> <laughs> I was no, going to make a joke. <laughs> please, please, go ahead. It's a Christian podcast. Okay, um... <laughs> that is our definitely our thumbnail for sure. I had to, I had to, <laughs> I had to write it down because I was gonna say it backwards like he said it because that's the real way. Because I, I had a joke, but I, I went with the re the, the the Reese Witherspoon joke instead. So. Uh, oh man. Oh, man. Um. <sighs> Okay, so Frank, my last question is, uh, who are some of the fighters you like to pay attention to right now? Um, first of all, who, if you I had to describe so. yourself as a fighter today, who most closely resembles your style? And then who are some other fighters you like to watch? Guys, guys, hold on, hold on. We have breaking news. I just need to interrupt. Okay. So this is from Ariel Hawani. Kamaru Usman versus Conor McGregor. Targeted for UFC July 5th main event. You're, you're like kidding. Why do you like that matchup, David? Why do you like that? Because I like Kamaru Usman. What do you mean? I like Kamaru Usman too, and I think he deserves a legitimate challenger, man. Are you Come kidding? on. Yeah, Conor nah, McGregor. Man, he deserves to get paid. You know, okay, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Okay, yeah. I agree. I agree. Right. What's okay, the weight yeah. gonna, what are they going to fight at? 170. 170. Why? 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 This man okay. is slimming down to 170. That dude is like, he has to be like 200 pounds walking. His, his back is like, Bro. first of all, shaped like a Dorito. <laughs> like yeah, like a is. chocolate Dorito. <laughs> what? Dude. I, I don't know. It is. I don't you know, know what? I bet what you they have that is. flavor in the States. <laughs> Sounds delicious. Well, ew, what the hell is wrong with you? First of all, <laughs> what did what did Conor McGregor do to piss off Dana White? He asked for this fight. He was trying to get Masvidal. No, no. He was trying to get Masvidal. He asked for a fight. He's been going back and forth with Usman from the from the get-go. Usman's I mean, a real welterweight, man. This is yeah, Conor McGregor's trying to legitimize his, his list that he put on Twitter or whatever, saying that he's the second greatest of all man, time. If he gets a third Dude, belt in a third division, I, I want people to express. I want to express what's gonna happen because I like Conor McGregor actually. For the record, I know I, a lot of people. Me too. Me too. People think I have this rep. I've developed this reputation being Conor McGregor hater on in, on the internet because I wrote a couple articles about like certain things. Conor McGregor sucking. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> but like the thing is, is that I'm not. I actually like his style. I really think he's actually done a lot for like a lot of kind of unorthodox Eastern martial arts esque styles in Mark. Um, wow, very racially. Yeah, so, man. Yeah. So as far as Carter, like when I when I moved to the states, I had a ch- couple choices, and one was straight blast gym. I was gonna go move to Portland or move to Oregon and train there. 
but you know i knew that was a good gym but i amc was the place that i thought of before i ended up at amc and then the product of amc you know and amc's way of training and hard work was dj mighty mouse that's what came out of there straight blast gym i find connor came up too but a lot of it was skill but a lot of it was the way he sold himself and for a long time it was that uh, persona that he put on and it was great because he would sell tickets and then after he would be super respectful like that was a great fight but around the time with uh, khabib with uh, the bus and the break and stuff it's like he kind of become the character he was playing yeah and like mm-hmm. the martial arts the, the martial arts aspect was always there with him like up until that and then it was just like it's like he'd, he'd lost it it's like yeah. you know I, i've created this character and now i'm playing him and, and it's which is that's why it's so refreshing i'm sorry go on oh no you go ahead you go ahead no, i was just gonna say it was so refreshing to see his perspective or his approach uh coming up to the donald Cerrone fight because he looked like he was starting like to figure more, it out again. He, he was yeah, then I, mean, I don't know if he was putting it on but he was yeah. kind of the the shaolin monk mcgregor at that time man just zen mm-hmm. coming in there but yeah. I don't know, man. This this That's this matchup just seems like a disaster. If 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 his wrestling defense, which looked defen- decent against Khabib, won't keep up over five rounds against Khabib, against Usman, we're talking a, a wrestler up a division on the mm-hmm. bigger end of seventy. But like, a lot of people would say that Khabib is a better wrestler than Usman, though. Like a lot of. Um, I got a more. Hold on, hold on. I would, uh, I would, I would, I would, I would, I would, I just want to address that comment. MMA wrestler. MMA wrestler. <laughs> I would say I, I don't know about that man because I think Kamaru has more tools to close the distance than Khabib. Sure. Also, the thing about Khabib though, there is that year or two off where he, you know, was chasing after the Floyd fight and everything. So it's like, and then by the time that he did the Floyd fight and came back, like he had ex- again that experience of doing it a couple times a year as opposed to sure. like once every two years. That that sucked on. Like if he could have kept that two rounds, you know, the first two rounds. You can tire someone out with counter wrestling, but if you're not, if you don't have the experience, you don't have the con- like the conditioning's not there. That's why I thought every fight was gonna before Stefano got on the phone. We were talking about that fight that I said every fight I thought was gonna look like because they both look like they're out of shape mm-hmm. on the, a couple weeks ago. Yeah, and then I thought all the fights were gonna look like that, and I was actually amazed that the card was really good. I thought it was just gonna be. Go ahead. Yep. Sorry, I didn't want to interrupt. Go ahead, finish. Okay. I lost it anyway. <laughs> oh, I yeah, just know, how did McGregor learn how to strike? Because his footwork in the Mayweather fight was horrific. He's all- <laughs> well, <laughs> resident, resident, resident footwork exp- uh, expert here, Jeremy. Hey, well, like, because guys like Israel Adesanya, their kickboxing acumen, they're able, their footwork is like so precise, but. No, but boxing footwork is different. It's not the same. Boxing yeah, so I, I want to know, like, like so, Conor McGregor is, is regarded as, as a good striker, but in the MMA, so how come his striking doesn't translate? I mean, not his striking, but his actually have a good. The distance is completely. The distance is completely uh, different. Yeah, I actually yeah, have a I know, how did he learn how to strike. He started out as an amateur boxer. He was an amateur boxer at first. Like, he's had some amateur boxing fights. Did he just forget how like to... karate. What's that? It's not that how he forgot, Jeremy. It's, it's, it's that it's a world-class, maybe the best boxer ever against somebody who doesn't have professional boxing experience. Like, no, that man, makes sense, but... The, 
the I mean, level, the back. level, the level of of uh, understanding of the sweet science that Conor McGregor has is just nowhere near that of no. Floyd. It's like, you know, you but can't Anderson do Silva twelve in boxing is one and one, right? You have to t- keep that in mind. Yet yeah, Anderson Silva is one of the greatest like, fighters like, to ever grace MMA. Were to, were to go into the boxing ring, his footwork would look look much better. No, yeah, but no, that's yeah. Hold, no. hold on, that's no. that's 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 but different that's, as well. Uh, Conor, okay, first of all, Jeremy, I just want to ask, what was it about Conor them. McGregor's footwork in particular that you that you found so bad in that fight? Just, look like he was trying specifics on the ring. He looked huh? like he was what? He looked like he looked like Rocky Balboa trained him, like he was chasing a chicken around the ring. Like, <laughs> oh, no. He was chasing a chicken around the ring. That's what he was doing. He was facing Floyd. Floyd, Floyd kind of does that. Like Floyd, one of the things Floyd. Does anyone remember the Ricky Haddon fight versus Floyd Mayweather yeah. and how bad Ricky Haddon looked? His last right? big knockout, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, where Ricky yeah, but he was wasn't doing it the same way though. He was doing it like because he was coming. Floyd was coming forward way more. Remember, Connor kept saying, "I turned you into a Mexican" because Mexican fighters come forward. Remember, yeah. he said that because like, yeah. he was coming forward because he could because yeah. you know. Connor, the thing, if you've never had a pro boxing fight, your first pro boxing fight is four rounds, tops. And then, you you know, you work up to five rounds, six rounds. You're not doing 12 rounds. Like, the, you know, it doesn't matter. And now against the best defensive fighter. Of all time, pretty much. Yeah. Defense, really. He came forward. Didn't need Because you're going to gas. Like, and then some, and it looked like he was gassing. And then a lot of people watched it and said, no, that wasn't even gassing. That was damage causing him to do that but you can't you can't go from never having a professional boxing fight to doing 12 rounds like nobody does that that's why i i I hate this narrative of have you been paying attention to the nganu versus fury narrative or every heavyweight wants to do like a boxing match like can can we can we stop this talk of crossover between boxing and mma can we just like I don't. It's 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 bad. It produces sloppy, stupid and it always, fights. It always seems like it's always the the MMA guys going over the boxing and not the yeah. boxing guys going to MMA. Hold on now. Where, hold on. James Tony's got words for you. Hilarious. Okay. <laughs> James Tony at the end of his career is not is not the same as Carmen Gregor after winning after winning two versus Shields wanted to fight in Amanda Nunes and you said you didn't want to see that fight. So what do you know? I would watch that fight though. That's no, the, no, no. I would that's not. not my my point is that, that fight, my point is that we don't we don't get <laughs> at boxing guys going. Hey, I want to fight MMA. Where we where MMA guys get a chance to be like, you see, this is what happens when a boxer comes to MMA. He's gonna get yeah. lit up. Whereas the, all the MMA guys want to go to boxing because they can get that paid. Well, our WBO and the WBC is corrupt as hell mm-hmm. and. When they go over there and try to get that payday, they get lit up. And so all the boxing guys get their opportunity to be like, hey, MMA, you see this is what happens. You get shown the hands. So I would just like it for one person to go over there, like maybe a Floyd. He faces like TJ Dillashaw. TJ Dillashaw kicks his legs, teaches him a lesson, and sends him back. Wait, Floyd's Floyd's not stupid, though. Floyd's not stupid. None of these boxers are stupid. Canelo even said it. Like when Canelo was asked about these stupid cross-promotion fights, like – Floyd's making hold on. Floyd's making Floyd's making hundreds of millions of dollars. Why is he going to come over to the UFC, take a substantial cut to his pay in a sport where he knows he's going to get humiliated? No, it's far easier for him to talk on social media and attract attention. Like, yeah, no, that's fair. Like a lot of these, that's what a lot of it is. Like, can't uh, Bob Sapp fighting Mike Tyson was supposed to happen way back, way back a long time ago. 
and it just becomes a thing just to promote, you know, K1. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't you be surprised about if that comes up again, I was going to yeah, say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's but, a chance it might. No, Mike oh, Tyson's looking good. Like, Mike Tyson's looking for a fight. And but he was saying just exhibitions, right? Like not and not not uh, not uh, Rocky Bro. Four exhibition, you know, where you pull an Ivan Drago, but like actual exhibition. But he doesn't have a style that you can spar with. Like no. he he can't. But no, he's just he's been like ever like you know how in MMA we train and we take care of our partners. You can't, can't be taken care of of one of his partners, especially him when he was coming up. It's like okay, here's money. Try and hit this guy and not get knocked out because you can't slow that down. He can't play tag. He's too short. He's yeah. got to get in and knock your head off. Like hey, yeah. who, that's who, where boxing's who, different. You pay the the sparring partners because they're not going to be your friends ever because you're going <laughs> brain damage, right? Remember the biggest Wait. news story in 1989 or something was the sparring partner knocked Mike Tyson down. You know, and then there were just jokes like, "Where'd he move to? Is he in the witness protection program? Like, where'd he go? Like, is this?" <laughs> because, but they're fighting for their life. Uh, my buddy Flex, who uh, would come down and tra- stay with me in LA, and he'd go to Wildcard a lot. And then Freddie would train him for free because Freddie charges ridiculous amounts to like lawyers that want to give them money so they can hit pads. And uh, and, and Barry knew that, but uh, he saw he saw Barry training with these other guys he's like oh you got time i'll hold some pads for you and then barry's like oh you know i don't know if i can uh, no no just jump in the ring i got time and he, and he trained him so every time he would go down there he would always train him why did i get on freddie what am i talking about freddie roach <laughs> yeah freddie roach it was something about freddie roach classic man another legend in the game uh, i remember yeah, when freddie, i remember when freddie was was trading gsp though for yeah. that contract fight and yeah. all of a sudden, for that caustic fight, GSP came with this jab, right? And he mixed it in with his wrestling, and GSP looked the best I've ever seen him. Like, it was it was crazy. Um, yeah. I can't remember what you had to do with it. it had to do yeah. no, no, it was no. something to do with Barry, Freddie, and Mike Tyson. Like, yeah, I don't know. We don't need to see the new Mike Tyson, the like a 50-year-old Mike Tyson. Thank you. No, Thank you. Don't, because hey, who, who, saw him when, when he was like, like when he fought Lennox Lewis. Like, like, he would beat up. He got beat yeah, up. Yeah, he Shots also, up. so, because of Robin Givens, he was on these antipsychotics that he had to take, right? Yeah, but sure. About two weeks before every fight, he would go off those. He would just go off them, you know, and then, you know, bring back some of the pre-marrying Robin Givens, Mike Tyson. And for that, he was court-mandated. He had to stay on them. So, one, he's subdued anyway. To his style with his weaving works when he gets in on you and smashes you. He was sticking up, staying on the outside. All he is is a moving target. He's not even getting, yeah. It, he should have fought Lennox. Lennox should have fought him when Mike Tyson wanted to fight him. Man, can we just, I, I feel like we don't talk enough about how great, about, maybe because we're not a boxing fight, a podcast, but right, right. Canadian legend, Lennox Lewis. Yes, like, right. I've met Lennox I've Lewis. Lewis. <laughs> I've met Lennox Lewis. Like man, and we'll talk off air. <laughs> we'll leave it at that. Yeah, really. <laughs> um, I got. I got. Well, a lot of people think it's uh, you know Mike Tyson and the antipsychotics was all about the Robin Givens, but I think it was more about the Robin Cummins, if you know what I mean. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. With that, the podcast so, is over. <laughs> hold on. So no, no. Uh, yeah, we should wrap it up. Yeah. Who else is Who else is not excited to see? Uh, a Mike Tyson who's 10 years uh, Frank's Jr. fight again in, 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 mixed, in uh, boxing. I'm, 37? 
They clone him or something? Or? <laughs> no, no. Mike's 50, 52, isn't he? Yeah, well, I thought you said, I thought you were, yeah, okay. Yeah, he's 10 I years younger. I thought you were talking, you mean at his age now? Yeah, no, his age now, he's 10 he years younger. Have... You're, you're, Frank, you're 60, 63, 64. Remember, remember when he retired in the ring because he was like, I just don't have this shit anymore. Oh, yeah, Gates McBride? Yeah, like, yeah, Captain McBride? Yeah. He wants to fight Holly, like Holyfield? Like, come on, man. Yeah, yeah. Holyfield Holy Holy looking terrible, too. Holyfield has an scenes with Holyfield, and he did not look good. Dude, I've heard some interviews with Evander Holyfield. The man has advanced CTE. He does not does he sound really, really. Yeah, who he doesn't sound great. There's someone I told you to look up before who, in the '80s, was just sharp, and now he's, you know, he sounds really bad. Ah, uh, I think he won the Olympics. I can't remember his name. It's just it's not on my head right now. But Ronald Reagan? <laughs> no. Ah, uh, there's definitely an irony here. 165-ish, I think. Joe yeah. Biden. Who? Joe Biden. Did you guys hear what, what Joe Biden said? If you, vote for, if you vote for me and not Trump, <laughs> you're not really black. <laughs> I got to commend Charlemagne the God for checking him on that. Man, it's rigged. That's all I got to say. It's rigged. Who the hell is Charlemagne the God? Like, Wait, I'm just kidding. I don't really care. Um. Okay, man, we gotta wrap this up because we're over two hours now. Okay, okay. are we over two hours? Oh, mm-hmm. we're like one forty eight. Okay, fine, fine. Stefano, talk about how you're gonna murder. Wait, hold on. Anyone, anyone, Frankie, anyone, anyone you want to shout out, man? Any, any, anything? Any, yeah. Oh yes, yes. Please. I don't know. I, I, I was answering a question about people I uh, that I trained. That I okay. So when I got to uh, tap out and I got the train, Ozzy was the guy that I got to train like from day one. Mm-hmm. So I can't even remember what the question was, but I talked about I, I helped train DJ. You know, I, I helped train other people. When I went to Fight Academy, it's weird when you're the jiu-jitsu coach and your job is to wait till the ground gets fight gets to the ground before you do your coaching. Like when you're standing beside it doesn't work that way. You got kickboxing coaches, they're like, Okay, as soon as it goes to the ground, you take over. Like, you know, I have to get it to the ground or I have to keep it off the ground. Like it's that's why there's MMA coaches. You can't take three different coaches and put them together, but but Ozzy was a guy that I got to train. You know, Ozzy, he had football. And the most he ever got down to with football was 280. And then he got down to 240 training jiu-jitsu. He's like, wow, it's the lightest I've ever been since high school. And then now he fights at 185. But uh, I don't know. After I left, he had to get a surgery or something. So I don't know really. He's only had about five fights since he turned pro. Yeah, his last but, fight was at Bellator, I think. Yeah, yeah. I think he won his last one. The one before that, he won with knees. I don't know what the last one was, but uh, but yeah, I, I talked to him about two years ago, so I haven't really talked to him that much. But he's he's one of the guys that you know I was happy because I got to implement everything I learned from everywhere else into one person. Then when I left, I got to train a couple people, and they all went undefeated. At Arashido, like I trained, uh, he was fighting one of uh, I don't know why I'm dropping names. This is what happens when you're 47, guys. It, just, <laughs> it slips away. You watch it drop your memory. And then you like I think I can fish it back and then it just sinks and you just oh. you gotta let it go. God damn. Anyway, but yeah, I, I uh, that that's the answer to that question, I guess. I really, Ozzy was one of the guys that I. You know what? I just realized we said Dominic Reyes, not Dominic Cruz. Okay. I was picturing Dominic Cruz in my no, mind I this Dominic entire Reyes. time. I was I know that. Yeah, Reyes. David, David, oh, David, 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 you're picturing Dominic Cruz. That's why I was confused. A 185-pound <laughs> Dominic Cruz? What is the man eating? 
Were they 205 back? I think they were both 205 fighters back then. Yeah. Well, yeah. Fight He's Dominic, 205 now. 205. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. to 205. Yeah, moved down. Ozzy moved down to 185. Come on, man. Nah, I, I, okay. For, cool. I hope you Frankie, got something. Frankie, is there, is there anyone you wanted to, uh, sh- anyone or anything you wanted to shout out on air? Uh, I don't know. Don't do drugs, <laughs> kids. Stay in school. Hilarious. Name me Jim. <laughs> no, okay. I guess I'm, I'm uh, just uh, training at uh, Matador with this guy once in a while when the quarantine's over. Yes. And, uh, yeah. And, yeah, I go up to a, a place. I was going up to a place called Paradigm up in uh, Bradford because a couple of the guys that train in Matador train up there. But uh, before that, you know, we didn't talk about Shaw Franco today. But he was, uh, yeah, you know, he he was. I was lucky to spend a lot of time with him from 1998 to 2004, kind of 99 to 2004. That's when I met him, and, and there's a ton of guys. But uh, yeah, if I uh, if if you ever have me back on and I can string some more coherent thoughts together, then uh, we'll bring up them. I know there's a lot of podcasts right. where all those guys are out there telling their stories. So I just no man, I was gonna say time. not if. But when we have when when we have Frankie back on, absolutely, yeah, for sure. This is the culture shock hour. Um, <laughs> That's the name of the episode. I don't care. Culture <laughs> shock. All right, we're we're taking it. Don't right. put a you uh, in my name. I always put a you in your name. <laughs> yes, and he did, and I couldn't find you. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> so the record, um, it's C O L C H E R. R. Yeah, it was Google who corrected me. Down here. Uh, yes, perfect. Extortion shakedowns. <laughs> what they rub outs. Okay. Oh, there's the name though. The name's on the other side. Awesome. Cool. Damn, Profesh. I love it. I love it. Thanks. All right. So, no talk about how you're gonna burn people at the stake. So I got a little something different this time, guys. Every every day, millions of starving African children scour the internet. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> there goes the they, they, CRTC license. <laughs> they, they, go, they, they go hungry. They, they, they go hungry every single day scouring the internet for likes and subscriptions. But today on the Like Kick podcast, we have some good news. African children like Mike, David, oh, no. and Jeremy... <laughs> oh, no. African children who all they need to feed feed them is one like a day. You can feed. You can feed them <laughs> no. By no, we're not doing no, we're not no. doing feed them no. by subscribing <laughs> to the Leg Kick podcast. I'm sold. I'm going to donate a like. <laughs> by, by subscribing, by subscribing to the Leg Kick and just giving our podcast one like a week, you can buy. Oh, man. You can buy these African children of the internet such essential supplies as microphones, cameras, and other things they need in their search for internet clout. Um, don't be a miser, guys. Contact World Vision. I mean, uh, the Leg Kick podcast. Like, subscribe, tell your friends about it. We're taking over. We're feeding Africa. And uh, I mean, that's that's pretty much all I have to say about that. Oh. One more thing. Still not sponsored by Gatorade. Still not. <laughs> I don't know how we follow that up. <laughs> <laughs> we are feeding Sorry, up. Sorry, what happened? Oh, I, lost, I, I like cut out. Yeah, oh, we, I, I was just saying how we're not sponsored by Gatorade. And Mike, uh, to play us out, what does that mean? 
as the great Bill O'Reilly uh, once said. Okay. So after that debacle that will probably get us in trouble on multiple levels, but why not? Oh. Let's keep it. <laughs> um, for those wondering, it's, it is packed outside um, because it's hot. So please pack our view count and our likes and our subscriptions. You know, let's you be the Trinity Bellwoods Park of. Oh, David. The, David doesn't li- live in Toronto, so he doesn't know what happened with Trinity Bellwoods I do, Park. I do. I have the news. Okay. Yeah. All right, so, guys. You can find us on YouTube, Spotify, Podcast Addict, uh, iTunes, any anywhere where you find podcasts, you, you can find the like Facebook. I know you're good. You're wedging out, but you're the guy that kissed that girl on the news. Right there, Stefano. That was you, wasn't it? <laughs> I'm the hero. I'm the hero. The city needs. Okay. Hilarious. <laughs> you made the girl snort. That. <laughs> okay, guys. Oh, I, I, I made her. I made her do a few right. other things. I made her do a probably few the other first things. time, huh? Awesome. All right. <laughs> it's not as bad as it sounds. Trust me. <laughs> you <watch this. laughs> hey, All right. Hey, hey I, snorting is what Conor McGregor must have been doing when he took that uh, that Kamara Usman fight. Am I right? Am I right? You're wrong. <laughs> That's pretty interesting. Conor, <laughs> Conor was like, Conor, Conor was like, oh, what's this? A contract from Dana White? Hold on. <laughs> I'm in. 170 <laughs> title fight, baby. Let's go. <laughs> okay. All right. Good. Good night, everybody. All right. Good night, everybody. Uh, stay safe. Right. Yeah. Thanks for. Thank you to Frank right. Johnny Chase yeah. Ultra for coming onto the podcast. By the way, Thanks. it was entertaining. Thanks for having me, guys.